How about a new concept of balance, or actually a new spin on balance? Well, stay tuned to episode 152, right here on RNFM Radio. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio on the Pulse of Nursing. This is the leading platform for nurses, and we're thrilled to have you tuning in with us today for the latest news, trends, and hot topics with the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. Speaking of tuning in, most of you are heading over there to rnfmradio.com. Yep, we know it. We see it in the analytics, and you're finding out how to tune in on the go. Take us wherever you go on your iOS device or Android Android device, that is, smartphone or tablet. However you want to carry us with you, we certainly appreciate it because your time is precious to us. And of course, speaking of time, if you wouldn't mind for all those iTunes listeners out there heading over to iTunes under the podcast section, search for RNFM Radio. And if just, it would be great to have a rating and review. It certainly helps our ratings in iTunes to get into the ears and hearts of many more nurses out there. Find us on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, pretty much at RNFM Radio on every social media platform that you you just name it, that's where we are. And of course, we are getting voicemails and text at 720-466-3022. We have some voicemails to return. So if we haven't gotten back to you, just stay tuned. We will be returning those calls. We just have a lot of emails and texts and, and voicemails and just everything coming in. But we really appreciate it. And don't worry, we are going to hit you back, but actually hit you in a good way in the sense of just reaching back out. And before we get into the balance, let's talk quickly about balance as far as nutrition is concerned. And this is something new that we want to start here at RNFM Radio to give you some tips and tricks, just some really quick nuggets, whether it be a recipe or time-saving tip or something like that that's helpful. So today, I actually want to feature something that I found at refinery29.com. And of course, that will be in the show notes, but it's refinery29.com and there is a recipe for a green smoothie that I have tried, and I love this smoothie that has been blended, and I've got a commercial blender myself, and I use it every day. So if you're listening to us on the go, you're in the car, maybe you're near a grocery store, we'll be on your way home from a grocery store, I'm going to go ahead and list those ingredients out for this green smoothie if you're into smoothies. Now, of course, this particular setup serves one. Of course, you can double up the recipe to serve two if you'd like. So... For this green smoothie, what you're going to need is one medium-sized Fuji apple sliced with the core removed and a quarter of a cucumber peeled or, you know, at least thoroughly washed and cut into large cubes, two to three kale leaves and remove those stems. I like to remove my stems as well on those kale leaves, two to three leaves of romaine, a thin slice of fresh ginger, a few sprigs of parsley, a few mint leaves, and of course, I guess a few to the taste. So parsley and mint leaves to your taste, a few of those. Squeeze of half a lemon to taste, a quarter cup of water, quarter cup of ice, and of course, blend it for about 30 seconds, depending on your type of blender. Again, I've got a commercial blender. If I throw that sucker up on high, that thing's just going to chew everything up and make that smoothie oh so smooth. Anyway, That's what we've got for you today. We just want you to have some balance out there in your nutrition as we head into balance on other areas here. And we're going to be leading that off here as soon as I introduce my co-host, Keith Carlson. How are you doing today, sir? 
Well, thanks, Kevin. It's great to be back here at RNFM Radio, episode 152. We are on our way to our bicentennial at episode 200. I'm so excited. I know I've mentioned it before, but I'm excited about the number 200. Anyway, today is 152, and we're welcoming a very exciting guest. She is what I see as an up-and-coming nurse theorist. She, I'm not sure if she'll be happy with me saying that, but... She is Daisy Magalit Rodriguez, RN, MN, MPA. She's a registered nurse, an educator, and an author of a new published book called The Balance Concept in Health and Nursing, A Universal Approach to Care and Survival. I have that book in my hot little hands right now. I've been reading it over the last few weeks. And Daisy began her career after graduating from the University of the Philippines with her basic and master's degree and practiced in the United States since 1972. She finished a second master's degree in public administration health services from the University of San Francisco, California, working her way up the ranks becoming a nurse supervisor in four major acute care hospitals in the Bay Area and a nurse educator in the last five years before retiring from nursing in 2012. She's active as a leader in various professional Filipino nursing organizations and community organizations, and she earned recognition as Educator of the Year in 2011 from the Philippine Nurses Association of America and an award among the 100 Most Influential Filipina Women in the U.S. in 2009 from the Filipina Women's Network. She's on the advisory board of the University of San Francisco Alumni in Nursing and Health Professions, and Daisy is a lovely person with whom we're really happy to chat today about her book and her career as a nurse and educator. So, Daisy, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thank you, Keith and Kevin. I'm happy to be here with you. Oh, we're thrilled to have you here, and you're here from sunny California. We're here in the Southwest, and we're just happy to have you on the show to talk about this book, which I've been reading over the last several weeks. I haven't read the whole thing. It's pretty intense. It's a pretty intellectually <laughs> stimulating book, but it is really interesting. It's a new, it's a new concept of health and nursing, and I'm curious if you can say what led you to write this book? What led you to sit down and, and pen this, this tome for us? It's a good question because it has always been a dream for me to write a book, um, but I didn't really know when or, um, or what, to, what to start with, where to begin, until I retired in uh, 2012 when I found some time um, after my, um, when I retired from my job. Then I decided to write a book in earnest because I had then had a time, but I'd always toyed with the idea of uh, the balanced concept as a central idea in a book uh, for really many years because I noticed uh, as you read uh, in your daily life, you encounter the word balance all the time. And it is used in many areas of endeavor like health, witness, uh, wellness, chemistry, uh, physics, economics, religion, etc. And I felt that this concept must be present in, in people's daily lives. I uh, dug deeper into understanding of this concept and I realized that balance is really universal and it underlies human survival. Through my readings, I decided 
I'd identified the five elements uh, within the balanced concept that are really necessary for human survival. And those are the elements of adaptation, equilibrium, homeostasis, needs, and health. And without those five elements, human beings will not be able to survive. And lack of any of these will cause imbalance. So that's really what led me to write this book and also the fact that I'm still dedicated to my nursing profession, although I am now supposed to be officially retired. But I believe there's, there's something more that I can contribute to nursing uh, from wh whatever experience and knowledge that I had gained over the years. And I believe there is a place uh, for something like this to be passed on to the next generations of nurses. Well, I think we would both agree here, Daisy. And I also think, well, and Keith and I have said this many times, I know Keith probably more so than myself, is that I think there's a book in every one of us, and maybe there are several <laughs> books in every one of us. And I think it's certainly a dream to aspire to and really execute on and achieve. And I, and I really, I like the fact that you have in your uh, sense here, because I haven't yet, I have not executed or implemented that but I know that there are many books in me, but I'm glad that you've taken this uh, and, and put this in your voice because you're right. We do talk about balance a lot here on RNFM Radio. We talk about balance across the board in nursing and how extremely critical this is to find some type of balance in our careers and in our personal lives. And I would love to actually break that down a little bit from your point of view, because I think that's really what the take home message is here is that yes, there could be several resources on balance, but hearing it in your voice. So why don't we take, break this down just a little bit, distill it down a little bit further about the concept of the book. And I would love for you, if you would, if you would help us out to explain and really kind of flesh out these five elements that you mentioned before, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Uh, first of all, actually, I would like to just uh, really put out there the main idea of this book, that balance is universal. It is an energy that really enables human beings to survive through its five elements of adaptation, equilibrium, homeostasis, needs, and health, and how it applies to health and nursing. But behavior is the key that unlocks these elements through interaction with the internal and external environment. So I brought on the concept of environment. The concepts that are related to balance are like symmetry, harmony, stability, equality, and well-being. But note that these are concepts found in our cultural beliefs and practices. And nursing is centered on human health and survival through the nursing process. So uh, if we break it down to the elements of, of, of balance, then I could talk about um, e each one of them. Um, first of all, uh, you can ask yourself, uh, where do you find balance? Actually, it's everywhere. You have to look around you. Everywhere you look, there's evidence, elements of balance. Like when you walk, or can, can you walk or stand straight without balance? And if there is no balance in your external environment, would you be able to survive? Too much heat, too much cold. Can you survive without making those adjustments? No. That's called adaptation. If you're dehydrated, you are not drank for five days and your body is not able to make that internal adjustment, can you survive? That's homeostasis. The body has to continue to uh, put you in a survival mode. 
If you are unable to meet your basic physiologic needs, such as water, air particularly, nutrition elimination, can you survive? Those are your basic human physiologic needs. Nowhere else in our daily lives can you find a concept of balance applied in just uh, many fields of human endeavor, as I had mentioned. And uh, for instance, like the laws of physics that govern our world are identif was identified by the uh, physicist Isaac Newton in the 17th century with the, his three laws of motion and gravity. These are the forces that need to be in balance to maintain a state of stability. And man, actually, I want to throw in the fact that man is able to survive because we are all endowed with a big brain. It has properties that really no other animal possess. It has this unique characteristic of the human beings that enabled us to survive and thrive, to manipulate our environment and pursue other human goals that enabled us to, exi to exist until today. That's a great point. And Daisy, it's interesting. This starts making me think about going back in my education to early in my education to Maslow, you know, the hierarchy of needs. We start with the really, really basic stuff you mentioned, elimination, nutrition, hydration, clothing, shelter, etc. And then as we move up that hierarchy, if you want to call yes. it a hierarchy, yes. we move to love, self-actualization, generativity, where we want to actually accomplish something in our lives. And, mm -hmm. and I, we can go in many directions here. And Kevin, I'm not sure what direction you wanted to head first, but it feels like in the 21st century, say with, hey, let's take nurses. Why don't we talk about nurses? In the 21st century, take a professional nurse who, of course, is trying to meet his or her basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, etc. But we're also looking for a whole lot more in our lives. But at the same time, we have to make sure we meet all those basic needs, too. So it's pretty complicated for a lot of us these days, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the modern world is very complicated. And I believe human beings, have we have all contributed to the complexity of human life on this planet. Um, but we all have some basic needs that we have to meet in order for us to continue living. And that is uh, identified by Maslow in his uh, hierarchy. Uh, of course, our basic physiologic needs and moving up to the very highest level of um, um, self-actualization. But why I had developed based on this concept is actually a behavior pyramid, which is something that I had kind of thought of myself, but actually based on Maslow's hierarchy. And uh, the, those I'd identified them as the uh, four uh, realms of behavior. And, and I call them uh, the uh, behavior pyramid model. And this, these four realms are namely one is the reflexive automatic, uh, second is the emotional spiritual, then number three is the intellectual rational, and at the highest level is the self-fulfillment or the balance realm. And it really, it really follows the, um, the, the growth and development of individuals when we start from being, uh, from, with the moment we're born, we have to meet our basic physiologic needs. And as we develop, as we mature, 
through the different stages of development, uh, childhood, adolescent, adulthood, we go through these different sequences. Other people uh, achieve it at, at, different, uh, at different rates. But eventually, as a mature individual, we could achieve a stage called self-fulfillment or the balanced realm where all your needs uh, are met. Um, and uh, the only thing is that if you're unable to meet these needs um, at any of these states, it will put you in a state of imbalance and you won't be able to achieve that self-fulfillment or balance realm that I'm talking about. Well, you know, Daisy, I, well, I, I wanted to, okay. to just also dial back, going back to what Keith was saying, and I was thinking of Maslow initially as well. And then you had also mentioned a couple of, of things mm. that spoke to me talking about behavior. And I know that's where you were going just a few moments ago here with behavior. And I think emotional well-being is one thing. Yes. But how you react. And you, you also said physics. You, you mentioned something about physics. And with every action, there is a reaction. And so, again, you can have the mental wellness or the emotional balance that you have. But how do you react to that? How do you actually respond to your environment and I wanted to really kind of delve into, if we could, take a turn to the environmental aspects, especially with nursing, because you could go in with the mindset and say, okay, well, I'm emo I am here emotionally and spiritually, and so then how am I actually going to react within these particular environments, i.e. a very fast-paced environment in a clinical setting at the bedside? And really, what does that mean? So really, what is the role of the environment in this whole balance? Environment plays a huge role in this balanced model because we are all um, products of our internal and external environment. We all respond to stimuli, but both uh, in our internal environment and outside environment. The outside environment really uh, is replete with so much uh, stimuli that we all respond to. And how we respond to it are really as individual as you and I, you know, you're, uh, we are all individual people. How we perceive the stimuli, how we perceive our stresses, how we perceive our influences, our um, influence by our background, our family, our culture, our community, our nation, the world, all and within our profession, those are influences that really affect our response uh, to the stimuli res responds to uh, changes around us. So if there are any changes in nursing, respond to it on the basis of our training, our education, our values. And I, I believe that um, all of us have a certain commonality, all nurses have a certain commonality in our commitment to nursing. And this is really where we respond kind of in, a, in the same way that we uh, all want to care for our patients. We all want to have better outcomes for our patients. And we all want to help take care of their families and our community because pay our clients, our patients are not just our individual patients, but also our their families and their community. So if we expand the role of nursing to just beyond the bedside nursing, I think that we could expand our thinking that, yes, we do have a responsibility not um, to, uh, to the whole world, actually, uh, so that pe we can help people achieve better health and better outcomes. That, 
That's a really great point. And, you know, Kevin and Daisy, we've talked a lot on this show about burnout in the past and how nurses get stressed by, let's say, poor staffing levels or, you know, too many patients to take care of or there's bullying or horizontal violence on a unit where someone is working or there's so many things we could name. Okay. So those are the things that throw us out of balance because Daisy, you made a statement that we have a commonality of response and basically a commonality of goals that we want to provide really good patient care. And I think we've all in the course of our careers encountered nurses and other healthcare professionals who maybe at one time shared that commonality of response and goal, but maybe they've burnt out. Maybe they've been hurt too much. Maybe they've just been overworked or they're their other life, their personal life is so out of balance that their professional life has also kind of gone off the rails. And then that commonality of response and commonality of, of goal and what we're going for, the mission of nursing gets lost. So how do you relate all of this to that in terms of adaptation and the needs of the nurse vis-a-vis his or her environment at work? That is a very good question, uh, really, because uh, we all, each of us, have to deal with our own individual stresses in our family, in our community, in our places of work. Yes, and I know about burnout. I've done a little bit of research, actually, on burnout and the reasons why nurses chose to leave uh, their profession, because they did not find any meaning in in their profession and i i think nursing leaders need to explore that why are these nurses leaving the profession um but there are also uh, i call them the extrinsic factors but then there are also intrinsic factors within the individual nurse that really that that motivation that really brought you to nursing in the first place why did I become a nurse? I, I think you need to ask yourself uh, that why am I staying? I know that it's very stressful at work, but I, I, I think that I could help. I think if we could just turn it around and say, every day I come to work, I could make a difference in the lives of my patients, even just an individual patient. And I call that a patient at a time. We do not have to take care of a whole community. Yes, we walk in into a patient's room and you could make a difference in the outcome, in the health outcomes of this particular patient. And it could be your motivation to come to work every day, regardless of what happens out there in, in, the, in the hospital environment. Yes, I have gone through that uh, and almost to the point of even burnout. But the only thing that really had kept me in this profession and when I decided to go into education is that I believe that, yes, I could make some difference in the life of maybe one patient and maybe in the life of other nurses that I, in my sphere of influence. I'm not here to change the world, but maybe when I say, and I just thought about it this morning, (laughs) it's really funny when I thought about a pebble that's sitting on, on the bank of a river, it's just sitting there and it makes a little difference because it contributes to the beauty of the pond. But if you pick up that pebble and throw it in the water, and it creates ripples, then it can make a huge difference. So that, in my thinking, is something that we could anchor as 
to the profession of nursing. Right. Well, and, and even to add to that, going back to what you were saying is one patient at a time, I think that they that we've we've often talked about the the disconnect that can occur in a healthcare organization between let's say the leadership and those that are at the bedside. And it really does sound like this needs to work in both ways. There needs to be a dialogue in both directions about what is needed from the clinical nurses at the bedside to assist and support and reach and help achieve wellness goals for each and every patient. And so I know we've talked about sometimes a top-down mentality doesn't work in many situations. However, having a top-down scenario here, i.e. meaning the CNOs, the CEOs, the executive teams and management really kind of taking this model and implementing it into their own units and floors within this organization could really show that the nurses at the bedside, like, okay, I'm getting support from the top from this and reminders that yes, it is one patient at a time and that, you know, we are here for the same goal. And then it, it really kind of bridges that gap of disconnect that I think that's often occurring, regardless of the roles and the institutions that nurses are working in. And I would love to talk more about this particular model because we always talk about nursing models. I mean, nursing models, we, we, we've said it here often on RNFM, we hear about it in our education. And so I just, again, this nursing model, it, it sounds different. And in the concept is of, of balance is extremely important. And so I just kind of want to keep driving that conversation of the importance and the difference between this nursing model. Okay, yeah, I, I understand uh, that nurses and admin, well, um, clinical nurses at the bedside and uh, nursing administrators, leaders uh, may not really uh, going in the same path, but I believe that uh, they need to travel in that same direction. However, method uh, that that they can um, adopt in order to get the, to that same goal. Yeah, I had been in nurse part of management teams in for for the most part of my career for over twenty five years. I've been a supervisor in four acute hospitals, and I we talked about getting our nurses involved and 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 how can we get. Uh, nurses at the bedside uh, provide more meaningful care and how can they make a difference in um, in, in their care and I believe that yes uh, each side has an obligation to contribute to that process uh, because uh, the the leaders can lead you to the water uh, but if you don't want to drink that water then it, it's not going to do you any good I, I think that our our clinical nurses also have to work with uh, nursing administrations in order to to achieve that goal and contribute to that process. They should be more participative uh, in um, in committees, in hospitals. And I had been down that road uh, before when I uh, was one of the uh, I was the first supervisor actually hired in a in, in a hospital that just started. So we were envisioning a self-governance model where nurses, our nurses would be able to provide input into how the uh, nursing department should be governed and how the hospital should be governed. So I believe it is a challenge to our nursing leaders, to our nursing administrators, and also a challenge for our nurses. 
Right. Well, and I think it bridges, again, going back to bridging that gap and in those communication breakdowns, and you're speaking from a leadership standpoint where from your point of view, so let's look at that that side of the coin to say, well, and you said this, leading them to the water. And of course, as we know, to finish that, but you can't make them drink. And then mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, having the nurses say to the leadership, like, you just don't get me. You're leading me to the wrong well or, or something like that. So it's right. just, it, it is, it, it's a matter of saying, okay, are we having the same conversation here? Are we, are we actually talking about the same thing? Because you unfortunately don't know where I'm coming from. And apparently I don't know where you're coming from. And so you're right with committees and working in these groups and the self-governance, it sounds like then these conversations can start becoming more meaningful. Yes. I believe so. And I really like that, um, uh, that, that now the, the flip side of it, like, yes, uh, what kind of water are you <laughs> making me drink? Okay. Yes. Right, right. You know, yeah, I, I believe that. Uh, and as I said before, it has to work both ways. And I, I think it really puts even more onus to the leadership to provide our nurses that clean water so that they could drink it so that they can see that what we are doing together is really for our patients. You know, the ultimate beneficiary of this dialogue, of all these things that are what we are doing together, are really for our patients. That's a great point. And some nurses might say, you know, that water could be Kool-Aid and I'm not drinking it. If they're feeling somewhat recalcitrant. Or if they're also feeling like there's a lack of trust between them and the administration. So sure, the nurses will drink the water if the administration is developing and maintaining and feeding relationships that are healthy and balanced. And that brings us back to this notion you said of self-governance for nursing departments. That self-governance is great and it's based, I would think, to a large extent on a very deep trust. So it's an interesting concept to allow self-governance of nursing departments and the trust that's needed is humongous. And I would also say that around this whole notion of your five elements, you know, adaptation, equilibrium, homeostasis, needs, and health, we have those for the patient. So we have the five elements for the patient, him or herself. Then we have those five elements for the nurse, him or herself, then for the nursing department, then for the organization. And you could even extrapolate this out, I imagine, Daisy, to to the community and the society. So you're looking at these five elements in a microcosm and a macrocosm. Does that make sense or am I going way too off track? No, I believe that that is really, uh, it has opened my eyes just now that yes, I was just thinking of, um, well, you know, the, uh, as from a theoretical standpoint, but yes, it could be applied to any situation because when you think about those five elements as basic to survival, then uh, it could really be used in any setting, in, in uh, with any groups, whatever, because we all have to survive, whether as individuals, as a group, as a community, as a country. There is a place for applying these five elements into any, any of those situations. Right. Well, and Daisy, I also wanted to call out both what you were saying and then, of course, again, what Keith was saying, because he definitely highlighted several points 
that we could continue to expand on. And then going back to another analogy of this well that I was talking about earlier and the whole feeling that Keith was talking about is the trust issue is that, again, leading them to that water and then the feeling that the well is poisoned. Just generally speaking, it's just poison. So why would I drink from it? And therefore, from a management standpoint, it seems like, and as Keith, like I said, he, he started to highlight was the trust factor. And I think having some type of vulnerability or transparency that we could have across the board within the organization, and I just mean on a professional level, to really kind of give some context to open up the dialogue of where leadership is coming from, why it is that they're saying the things that they are or acting in the way that they need to act. And of course, on the other side of that as well, but from the clinical sense is also, I mean, I think that if we can have that transparency on both sides, then likely this notion of distrust and the well being poisoned could hopefully be, you know, hopefully that, that feeling could abate and, and become more of a cohesive and collaborative environment. Yes. And you mentioned trust. Trust is a very important element in any, any organization. And, um, I believe that that uh, nursing leaders um, uh, need to build that more, and actually not just paying um, lip service to the word trust, but also put it in action so that you're actually talking to nurses and telling them that how you trust them in providing care uh, to their patients, and also sometimes walk in the shoes of those nurses, you know, working at the bedside. As a nursing supervisor, I was very hands-on. I would push gurneys and I would uh, do clinical discussions with, uh, with our nurses. And um, I believe that we should do more of that. See how our nurses really work in, in, in their environment, in their setting, whether it's in the emergency room, in the critical care, labor and delivery, med surge. See exactly uh, how those nurses work. And I think that if you walk their shoes, that trust is going to start building. Trust is not something that you that develops in a single instant. I think it's something that needs to be nurtured, yeah, just like a, a plant, you know, you, you plant the seed and that's, that, that seed does not grow immediately. It, you have to nourish it you ha and, and let it bloom, let it flower because uh, you're not going to get anything uh, out of that seed if you don't nourish it. So I think if you plant the, the seed of trust and I believe that that's a way uh, for nurses and administrators really to uh, start working together. Well, I, I couldn't agree with that more, Daisy. Again, having leadership getting involved and, and as you said, pushing stretchers and assisting with patients and really kind of just knowing what's going on on your unit or, or the floor. I think that's extremely important. And also, too, I know it's a little bit harder to have maybe the, the clinical nurses or those that have the boots on the ground at the bedside to then maybe see what it's like in a leadership role. I mean, for instance, I know that we have an internship program in my company and and me being at the CEO level, oftentimes we'll have these students or even these interns who have graduated and are interested in 
a CEO or management role just to kind of get a feel for it. I've even had them say to me after they've shadowed me and followed me around and see everything that's going on. Some of them have been like, okay, I'm good. No, no, I'm fine. That uh, You definitely do a lot of stuff and maybe I'm just not there yet, but I definitely have a better understanding of what leadership does within an organization like this. And so I, again, I think having your boots on the ground as a leader alongside the nurses that you're supervising, whether directly or through a nurse manager and, and vice versa, having that communication there to say, we're shoulder to shoulder here, we are a team, and you, you hear and see and really feel and smell and touch, like all the senses, you know what's going on because you are basically getting your hands and I don't want to say dirty in the sense of bad, dirty, just just the fact that you got your head out of the clouds and dirt under your fingernails. It, it's actually it's something that I say all the time to just have leadership kind of pull their head out of the clouds, even as myself as a CEO, to get in there with the nurses and really kind of go, like I said, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand to know and have our fingers on the pulse of what's going on. Well, I think that what would help is really uh, for us to have nurses and and uh, administrators to have a common vision, something that we need to shoot for. And to me, that common vision is good outcomes for patients. That is what that is the the reason for why we are all here. We are all in in the health profession because we want our patients to have. Uh, good outcomes. Let us walk together. Let us hold hand, be hand in hand to get to that goal. There may be things that are bothering you at the moment, but let us not lose sight of that goal because that goal is really for the greater good, for the good of our patients, for the good of, of our families. And I think if you rise above all those things that are impinging negative, and I call them negative forces. We have a lot of negative forces that are pulling us in, in, in the wrong direction. There are also positive forces that are trying to center us in the middle. And I call them in my model, it, it's called the zone of equilibrium. That is the zone where people can find the best of health, the best of balance, and also a sense of uh, satisfaction uh, of achievement in your personal life, in, in your health. And I believe that if we all could all go towards that zone of equilibrium, which I have in my health illness continuum model uh, and in, in the balanced health uh, nursing model that I have, uh, we, could, we could go to that and uh, perhaps yeah. it will contribute to balancing our own lives. Well, that's, that's great. I love that zone of equilibrium. And again, we can extrapolate that down to the patient, to the individual nurse, and also to the organization, which is great because the organization can also work with those negative forces and positive forces that are impacting it. You know, there's the fiscal forces, there's labor, there's human resources. There's so many different things that are impacting us as groups. Yes. And as a manager, a nurse manager, I understand that as well. And I feel like I want to take this notion back to my workplace and, and, and really consider it really deeply in terms of the nurses and the patients that we serve. So I wanted to ask you, Daisy, as we're starting to wrap up. Mm -hmm. So 
what makes this model somewhat different from other nursing models? What is what are some of the kernels of what you feel like differentiates it or builds on other nursing models or theories? Um, I have looked at a lot, several nursing models actually that I have used as a uh, the, the theoretical underpinnings of my work in this uh, model that I had developed, and I had looked at. Um, the, uh, even as far back as Florence Nightingale environmental theory and um, the Madeline Leninger and her culture, Jean Watson, theory of caring and the system theory uh, and um, all those things. And I have not really seen a single encompassing uh, theory that takes into consideration all of these and also against the background of the broader background of survival, the broader um, background of uh, the system theory, man as an open system, or the behavior pyramid, or uh, the, the health balance uh, continuum. I had incorporated all these into my um, balanced health nursing model, which I'm actually calling BHNM for short. Uh, I have not actually seen that put together, and I am, in a way, I'm kind of proud of this particular model because I believe that this is where I had connected the dots, that all these other things that, that contribute to survival and uh, nursing practice, helping um, patients uh, maintain their health, change their behavior, and helping uh, nurses also geared their practice towards the balance concept, maintaining balance in their patients and, and balance in all, all aspects of, of the patient's life, not just in their physical health, but also in their mental health, uh, emotional health. It's, in my mind, this theory helps put our patients in the zone of equilibrium I have not seen uh, actually a term called zone of equilibrium anywhere in, in my research. And I have seen adaptation, I have seen, which I am using also as theoretical background for my theory. But what I believe that what makes the, my, my uh, model quite different is because it is holistic. I think that it could be, mo um, that it is based on the nursing process. It could be applied to nursing practice. And I think it could also change the way that we approach our assessment of, uh, of our patients. Oh, I like that, Daisy. I really do. Because it's, <laughs> it's taking the concept that, that we think is the most important, but obviously in its, also in itself, the simplest form of saying, okay, well, this is patient-centered care the positive outcome for the patient is what we should all be focused on. So a simple concept, but then taking your balance health nursing model, that concept actually helps us apply what, what we need to put forth within ourselves to become more cohesive as a team, but, but start individually. So it starts locally, you know, it within ourselves. And then that way it extends globally within our teams and within, you know, the units so that, this concept can be applied, i.e., again, being the patient at the center 
of, of this focus here and the positive outcomes being their focus. Because we can say that all day long, but having the tools and the resources to help apply that when an environment in itself can be strenuous for, for many out there providing this type of care. So again, it, it just kind of dials us back in to say, okay, this is our focus, but then the model helps us apply it so that we ultimately get, that's the goal that we achieve. Thank you for saying that because uh, actually I also use the ANA definition of nursing. And I go back to that, that nursing is the protection, promotion, or optimization of health. And it is so alleviation of suffering through diagnosis and treatment of human response and advocacy in the care of individuals, families, communities, and populations. I really, that to me is kind of at the heart of why I am doing this because uh, it brings me to that definition of what nursing is all about. And um, it kind of just inspires me uh, because I, I think somewhere in there is a place for my model. Well, there definitely is a place for your model. But, but speaking of which, we want nurses to find out more about how to get access to this nursing model. So, so just correct me if I'm wrong, they can find you at daisyauthor.com. Is that correct? Yes, the www.daisyauthor.com. And that tells you about my book, how to order it. And of course, they can also email me and ask me questions because I'd be so glad to respond to um, whoever is interested in learning more about this book. Daisyauthor.com uh, always works. So uh, if anybody's interested, uh, they are most welcome to email me. That's great. And these email addresses will be in the show notes. We have daisymr at gmail.com or daisrod, that's D-A-I-S, rod, R-O-D, at hotmail.com. So those will be in the show notes. And we also have a link to the website for the book. And that will be in the show notes as well. And that is daisyauthor.com. And Daisy, as soon as you have some social media platforms ready, we'll add them to all of our information online so that people can find you on those platforms too. So people watch for that. We'll be posting that on social media and on Daisy's page on our website as soon as it's available. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Great. Well, and Daisy, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time uh, out in your day, but obviously it sounds like you're going to be taking some more time when folks, they order, they read the balance concept in, in health and nursing here, and they are going to find out more about you and your book and the dialogue with you by emailing you. So I love the fact that you have extended that on to help break down even further if they need that for that balance health nursing model that you have going on. So we will encourage people when you are reading this book, that Daisy has published, written and published. And hit her, definitely reach out to her because I would encourage, even if you haven't, if there's something you haven't gotten from today's show, do connect with Daisy. And, and I like the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there to continue that dialogue offline or rather online. Because uh, it, it, it really does spark so much uh, communication and intrigue and questions and to know, want to know more. Because I know you can only put so much in a book. But yes. having the dialogue with you today, it really gathers more context of where you're really coming from and your voice. And I love that you're doing that. So I just wanted to say oh, thanks for thank doing you. that. Thank you. 
I really appreciate this opportunity. Sure. I love talking with you. <laughs> oh, great. Well, thank Both you, of you. Daisy. Thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. Well, hopefully after today's show, you are going to be more aligned or in line with yourself and your career and what you're doing here with Daisy Rodriguez and certainly hit her up at her social media platforms. All of those links will be in the show notes. And we really appreciate the time that you have invested with us today, spending your time with us. And we will continue providing all of that valuable content to each and every one of you. So tune back in to hopefully in some way feel uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves the needle for you. Continue to innovate and create. Find passion in your life and your career each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio.